Welcome to Tickabud Tippets, where we share tips, advice, and insights from event organizers for event organizers. I'm your host, Lisa Carson, and we're going to chat to another great event organizer today. In today's episode, we talk to Hayden Walker, the organizer of the greatly anticipated Mac and Cheese Fest held here in Austin, Texas, as well as Portland, Oregon. Hayden is the executive director at AFM Media and editor-in-chief of Austin Food Magazine. When it comes to food in Austin, Hayden is all across it. He works with restaurants, food trucks, media and foodie influencers. He's in the know when it comes to all the great food events around town, from pop-up restaurants to specialty dining experiences and food festivals. Despite the many food events in Austin, Hayden saw great potential for a mac and cheese festival, a classic family favourite reimagined in a variety of different ways. Individual chef interpretations of the dish would be voted on by event attendees and a panel of judges. Hayden's hunch was right, with his Mac and Cheese Festival becoming a huge sellout success, enjoyed and embraced by attendees and participating restaurants and food trucks. Now in its fourth year in Austin and second year in Portland, the Mac and Cheese Festival has a winning event recipe that is set to grow and take on more cities in 2020. In this episode, Hayden shares how he got into the food industry, turning something that he loved into a career. He describes the Mac and Cheese Fest experience and the importance of doing thorough research in creating that experience. He talks about how to evolve a food festival, growing in size and locations, as well as keeping the event fresh and interesting. We discuss managing various event stakeholder relationships from attendees to vendors and sponsors, ensuring these different audiences needs are catered to. He continues to test different event options from things like tasting sessions to an open event. This year he's trialling a vegan tasting session in Portland. Hayden explains the importance of prepaid tickets for these events as well as finding the right ticketing price point. Hayden shares other great insights from preparing vendors for success to managing media press passes, event promotion, event day gate management and much more. Stay with us and listen to Hayden talk about managing a food festival. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Hayden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. As editor-in-chief of Austin Food Mag, you're the man with his finger on the pulse for all things food in Austin. Can you tell me a little bit about your role? So yes, I've uh, been doing this for about six years and uh, it's I've been part of the food evolution of Austin uh, and seeing the progression of restaurants come and, and, and some go and then with uh, the evolution of food trucks and everything that is that has to do with food in Austin uh, and of course food festivals and events and things like that. So uh, my role is to make sure that people know about it. Well, as someone, I'm new to Austin, so I've been like, oh, what are all these different places to discover plus all the food trucks on top right. of it? So. Well, you, it, you, you could definitely gain some weight <laughs> if you have the money to spend on the food. <laughs> yeah. It's a good problem to have, lots right. of good options to eat. Exactly. And then your uh, path to get where you are is really interesting. So I'm, uh, I love hearing about people who sort of start off down one path and then go, no, this isn't really my passion the thing I love. How can I make a living out of what I love? For you, it was food and you ended up doing something very different sure i mean i started just doing it as a as a hobby i was in the insurance business and finance business and uh you know that's not the most exciting world um money's decent if you if you're good at it but the, on the flip side it's just not you know most, most people don't go to school being like you know what i can't wait to grow up and do this you know then excited about it in the morning right <laughs> yeah. like people want 
that you know exciting job and but some people don't know what that means and i was just bored and i was a big fan of watching like diners drive-ins and dives and all those like travel channel food shows and then i just said i'll just do one on youtube which i did so i started a youtube channel about food so we visited restaurants in austin and uh eventually i met the certain amount of people that said hey why don't we we basically collaborated said hey let's start a magazine a food magazine and uh, there was only one other one in, in town and uh, we said well yeah let's try it out and let's do it so we did we did two issues and the original publisher moved on to other things and then uh, when I took over as publisher and editor mm-hmm. we just said well let's just do everything online as a blog yeah. and so that's essentially what it is but we still keep the name you know the magazines because essentially we are running things very similar had you had, had any involvement in a magazine before that no, I had I had experience with writing, uh, but w- it wasn't really in the in a like a a role of a journalist. It was more like I would write uh, stories. I've written a few short short films, screenplays, you know, none of which you probably have ever seen. But uh, but yeah, I had some experience in that, and I was just like, well, I'm interested in this. And I, when I started, I had no intention of like, oh, this is gonna be a business. I was just like looking for something to do, and plus, I like food, and uh, it evolved. And so that was in a world before like social media was around obviously but it wasn't what it is today a lot of people when they start something similar it's like okay well now instagram is a big thing or whatever it is and so people have the objective of wanting to start it based on what they're going to get out of instagram yes or social media so which is fine it's completely fine but the game is changed and uh motives might be slightly different but at this at the end of the day it is an exciting you know, transition if that, if you can make that happen in your life. So my next question is what advice would you, what career advice would you give to your younger self? So, uh, as a younger, younger person, you know, it's funny. I would always tell everyone when I was younger, I, I was, I felt like I was ahead of my head of my game when I would say you have to be open to a lot of things, especially in the progression of any business you take part of because everything changes mm-hmm. and the way technology has evolved, it changes quicker than it's ever changed, ever. Yeah. And so I knew that would happen with our business uh, and our world, I, I should say, of social media and blogging and things like that. You know, who is not very many people get, get to print as much anymore. And we, I knew that was going to happen. Think, I didn't realize social media would be as, as big of a deal, but I knew it would be a big deal uh, as far as the way it's become, especially with Instagram. So I would just con- continue to tell myself, like, be open to everything and watch what you're doing. At the same time, um, don't be closed-minded to anything that comes around. I can't go back in time and say, hey, you know this new app's going to come out. If you only knew about it and invest in it, that would be No amazing. getting a time machine. Go that would back be and time machine this. stuff. Yeah. Well, I think mine would be don't worry so much. Yeah. Like just give things a try. Like keep, you don't, I think right. I always thought I had to have all the answers. Yeah, uh, And true. so now I'm just like, no, if you just keep, walking in the direction of things you enjoy doing and right. keep trying different things and you know different doors that open right. you never know where you're going to end up yeah i mean i learned from a long long time ago before i even started any career uh, my parents and my grandfather was really good about telling me like how to set expectations for your life sometimes you're going to fail and it's okay if you do because that's how you learn how to overcome the next thing and so in planting that seed in my head okay great you know you're going to screw up sometime. You just have to minimize it and then learn from it. So, 
you know, you don't want to wreck your life, but you do got to take, you do have to you take, gotta take some risks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take chances to, to do something. And that's how I came up with a, an, a, an event, a festival. I know. So that's your love affair with food has now gone over into a food festival, the, the mac and cheese festival. Right. Uh, so what appealed to you about doing that? So, uh, well, when I first started, uh, from a business perspective, my business partner and I said, well, we need to come up with an event, an event that people will want to attend. Well, what was that? <laughs> what, what would that event be? So we wrote down, I wrote down a list and brainstorm and I kept thinking like, well, I don't know, are people going to go to this? And I, I wrote down things I think would be a good idea, but I was like, ah, I don't know if people will actually go to that. And then, uh, then I said, well, what's my favorite food? Barbecue is my favorite food, but we already have a barbecue festival, so I can't do that. Uh, and then I said, well, I love mac and cheese. Oh, mac and cheese festival would be amazing. And I actually sat on the idea for probably about a year and a half. I even told a couple of people, what do you, how would you feel about this? And they were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I was like, I don't know. I started second-guessing myself. But then I was like, I know it's a good idea. Everyone else, I say it's a good idea. And I better create it before somebody Someone else, else does. does. Yeah. And so I went ahead and did it. And now we're here at year four. Yeah, so this is the fourth year in Austin and the second year you're doing it in Portland, right. in Oregon. So what is the event experience that you've created? So it's, uh, you know, it, it takes you back to having fun when you were a kid. And, you know, I try to keep it simple and fun to where people can enjoy mac and cheese, but also at an elevated experience, especially when you have a chef creating something. Uh, and that's where it gets fun. Mac and cheese is a versatile dish. You know, yeah. it's like you have an entire festival devoted to one dish. And that dish can be created in multiple thousands of different ways. That's where we get to explore that. And then when you have a competition behind it, then it's like, okay, you're not just throwing like who, who's making your grandma's favorite mac and cheese. It's like, no, who's making their version of their favorite of their best mac and cheese. Yeah. And I've had chefs that have been in it every year and they've created something different every year. And so uh, I love the fact that it's pretty limitless as long as there's cheese and macaroni involved. But of course, nowadays, you know, you can kind of go around the edges with gluten-free and vegan options and things like that. So I think it's really fun and it allows people to relive their childhood in a, in a in some way with, but with some new different flavors and right. tastes i've got this idea of uh, like a cajun version yeah i'm like that'd we've, be awesome we've had that i mean i've cooked my own version of mac and cheese multiple times and yeah. cajun has been one of them <laughs> <laughs> did you gain ideas from other food festivals was there anything like you went to other events and got ideas or went oh, i don't sure. want to do it like that sure i mean uh part of learning is to see what other people have done and also coming up with your own ideas, of course, uh, there's the, the basic things that you have to do as far as like laying the foundation and make sure you're following health rules and guidelines and things like that. But then there's the other portion where you're like, okay, well, what's going to keep this fun and unique? That's where you, you see when you go to other events, you might see what they're doing, but then something might hit you like, oh, well, how come they're not doing this? Well, I'll just do that. And at, throughout this, and I mean, this is the fourth year, so you know, laying the foundation where other people have started their festival because, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, maybe they, they got inspired about what I was doing mm -hmm. because people have ideas all the time and it's great that they can put that out there, especially for a food event, uh, especially in Austin. We love our events and half of them are food related. So, uh, yeah, I've seen people like a friend of mine did a chicken wing festival and then there's a brunch festival and then there's there's all, there's all kind of festivals now. My Bloody Mary Festival. My calendar is full. Yeah. 
So how's the event evolved and how do you keep improving it? So uh, the idea was to, to start small. So the first year we only had like 18 or 20 vendors. Uh, next, the next year we had like uh, almost 30. Second, the third year, uh, we had we had a couple of small issues, uh, but we I think we only had 22 vendors, um, and it was still fine. We just had like it was just one of those days, like oh man, it was rainy, a little problem with the electricity, like the generator. So it was like our hiccup year, as like I, what I refer to it as. And I'm like, all right, year four, we're getting back on track. It's bigger because we're gonna have more vendors this year. I think so far we have like 31 vendors. Nice. Uh, we've been, uh, we've added some more, we've elevated the VIP area because, uh, when you, you get an option to get a general mission ticket and a VIP ticket and a VIP, you get to enter the, the venue early, an hour early, and, uh, you get to try all the mac cheese without fighting, you know, too many <laughs> lines. And then there's the VIP lounge, which will have additional vendors that you won't have in the general area. Oh, okay. Well. So yeah. thanks for tasting. Right. So what is your vision for the Mac and Cheese Festival? Do you want to hold it in more cities, keep growing it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next year we have uh, other cities already planned uh, in the works. So uh, 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 Dallas, we're, we're looking into Dallas, uh, hopefully in the spring. Um, Seattle, we're looking hopefully in the, sp- in the spring or the early summer. And then uh, we already have scheduled uh, Newark, New Jersey. Which is, uh, to me, I was like, wow, why would I do Newark, New Jersey? But somebody approached me and said, look, you know, it's a great, great little spot. It's going through their, like, changing phases. Uh, you got a lot of new or younger entrepreneurs and young couples that move out there. They love food, obviously, and they're looking for events. And, you know, I don't really know too many people in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anyone in Newark, but I know the people I'm working with now. And I, uh, it's going to be an exciting time, you know, a new, new venue. So choosing the cities, is that about places you know or, or other people giving you advice about places to go to? Uh, there's, some, there's a list of cities I, I have targeted. Yeah. And then there's like this one wasn't on my target list until yeah. somebody mentioned it and said, this is why you should do it. Okay. What are the benchmarks for growing a food festival from like one to now we're ready to go to two to now we're ready to go to five? Like how do you know? Well, there's a, I guess I would say from a business perspective you know you have to figure out okay is this is this worth the time and the hopefully you're profiting mm-hmm. uh you know we obviously we we want to profit but at the same time you know we want to give back to communities so we want to make sure we partner with certain uh charities and things like that that will give back um it can't be just about like oh business 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 but you do want to at the end of the day it's got to be fun um, are people going to come to something that's boring or that was a disaster? You know, we're, we're not trying to d- develop the fire festival. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, you want, you want people to feel good that they spent their money on something and that they want to come back. So at the end of every year, you know, we get feedback say, well, what do we, what can we do better? And what can we, what will bring you back? Uh, because, you know, as, as humans, you know, we don't like to, some people like to repeat themselves and do the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. but as long as it's something they enjoy. Yeah. If it's unenjoyable, then you won't go. Yeah. That's why the reason why ACL is so successful. They bring in new talent every year, and you yeah. go and enjoy the music. All right.
keep building on a, on a good experience. Right. With an event like this, obviously there are various stakeholders involved. So mm-hmm. you've got the attendees who are coming to try new food, have a fun experience. There's uh, sponsors who are wanting to engage with people and do branding. Uh, you've got vendors who want to gain exposure and uh, to an audience. I don't know if you've got investors, that would be another people we've got responsibilities to. So how do you consider all these different stakeholder relationships and manage and communicate with them? So you basically just show what's in it for them. For example, but we do have sponsors. Mm-hmm. So uh, say, look, this is how many people are going to be at the event. You have the opportunity to expose your brand to X number of people. For, for example, Portland, uh, we know that we'll at least get 1,200 people at that event. So we develop a marketing kit and a package and present it to each of the, the potential sponsors and say, hey, Leo, this is who you have a potential to reach. Um, all at one time as opposed to getting people to go by your store and maybe they walk in and maybe they don't. And so then they'd figure out, uh, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. You know, they might do giveaways and swag and whatever they do. Uh, anything that gets attention to their brand. So for them, it's, it's all about exposure. And of course, you know, if the food attracts them, then that's always a bonus for the audience. Once again, it's about, okay, how am I going to enjoy this event? Mac and cheese gets a lot of people's attention, but just because of what it means to them. But also, if you go to the event and you have to wait in line for an hour uh, or however long, you know, that dampens it. Yes, the joy goes down. The joy goes (laughs) down. And so that's one thing I see at a lot of events. There's some events, you know, they have super long lines. You got to wait for it. And uh, we do have lines at the event, but I don't want these massively long lines. So there's a lot of little moving pieces you have to say, okay, well, Get your vendors to make sure that they're producing, that number one, that they have enough food to serve, and number two, that they are offering it in a way that's quick, yeah. you know, turnaround, but also enjoyable. Because yeah. uh, you want, you know, they're at the end of the day, chefs are artists, and they want to be able to make sure their food is impressive from a visual perspective and from a, you know, eating perspective. Yeah. So you've got to balance all those exactly. different relationships and right. things like that. Make sure they're all getting what they need. Right. And Because, yes, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot going it's on. You're lot, not just organizing an event. You're, you're organizing like these, all these different people are being involved for different reasons. So right. I've got to make sure they get what, they, what I've right. promised. Yeah. So this year uh, you're using TicketBud for your event ticketing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about you've obviously used other ticketers in the past, if there were limitations or things you weren't happy with? Yeah, I well in the past I just use Eventbrite and Eventbrite's fine. I've been around for a while. Um, this year I decided to use uh, TicketBud uh, because of a referral, and you guys are local. That was a big part, obviously. Yeah. And then you know, at the end of the day, okay, well, what's going to be the comparison as far as money that we're keeping and then we're sending out? So those are little details that you work in between the line. But at the end of the day, as a user experience, from my perspective, is it going to be great? And as a, uh, for people I've talked to, like friends that have already used it, they've have nothing but great things to say. So to me, like if it's going to be a great experience and so far it is, then I would love to just continue the business. Cause you know, when you, when you switch from one aspect to another every year, you know, it's just like, ah, man, it's just another thing you got to do and then more hassle. Am I spending more money, less money, so forth? And you factor all those in. But I think most people, like, if something's working, you don't want to, like, go 
redo it and fix it yeah just stick yeah. with it you know i know some people um you know aren't ha- I've, I've had experiences before where people are not particularly happy with the solution but they keep going with it because they're like oh, i've already kind of invested right. in this and so yeah there's that always that tipping point where like no it's not actually working for what i need i want to yeah, try something new exactly so this event is a a food sample event where your ticket entry gets you access to uh, tasting samples from all the different vendors. Why did you choose to go with that style of event? That seems to be the most popular. We've done others where it would be more of like a dinner and a, we did a mac and cheese brunch one year, uh, like the second year of the festival. And I think those are still good ideas. It's just uh, the amount of time it takes to put some of those together. So that might come back. Uh, it's not this year, but uh, we're also toying with the ideas of what if we do something like that throughout the year. It doesn't have to be all during the festival season or during the same time that we do the festival. Um, but with the advent of us doing other event, other cities, that's just something we have to add into the schedule. So it means, you know, we have to, I have to bring on more people to the team to help out with the organization of these things. I just think it's an evolution, you know, like, what what works this year we'll have to see if it works next year or we but we you always have to push the envelope to change something to make people like oh i gotta go back for that so the idea of getting people to prepay and then what they eat inside is free is there a reason why you think that is a better way to go than letting them just pay when they get in there getting that money up front i think the thing is so what i've seen in the past like for example if you create a an event on Facebook and you say, great, I'm RSVPing. Well, there's like literally a hundred other events going on and you RSVP to that. And then there's the ones you, you might, you, at the time that you RSVP to it or you say, yes, I'm going to go to it. You actually might have the intention of going, <laughs> but then there's the day of, and then things happen. And then if you didn't pay for it, you're like, well, I'm going to stay home I don't lose football. anything. Yeah. Or I'm going to just hang out and not do anything. Uh, because there's no you you didn't spend you didn't lose anything right? yeah but if you've paid for a ticket it makes a big difference yeah. then we can relay that to the chefs yeah. say hey this is what this is how many food samples you need to have prepared so when it comes to that that's really important because you don't want to have over you don't have too much food and you definitely don't want to have too less yeah. So you have a different ticket package options. So the Portland event is a little bit different to the Austin event. You've got like sessions for the Portland event. While we won't have as many people in the venue at one, the line should be pretty minimal. And then uh, yeah, they get the food and hopefully get stuffed and then they're, they're happy. <laughs> uh, then in Austin, we have a big giant outdoor venue. Um, so it's a four hour event where VIP gets like the, uh, the extra hour basically and General Mission has three hours. I think uh, it's all about where, where well, you know, what kind of resources are, do you have? Where is this going to happen? Because you don't want, you want the experience, the attendees' experience to be good. And it's interesting that you are running both events, so you'll get to see the difference and test it out. So an event like this has obviously really broad appeal and there's lots of different people to cater to. So how do you balance being inclusive of everyone, but not, you can't do everything? Well, uh, you know, we have a, this year we have a vegan session that we're doing in Portland. Portland is one of those cities where vegans are very prominent, uh, and, and Austin is too, but uh, w- very much more so in Portland. So we decided this is more of a to see, you know, how are people going to respond because they have a, actually have a vegan festival up there. So while ticket sales aren't quite as high for the vegan event, uh, we also don't have quite as many vendors as well. And so right after the vegan session ends, we're going to start the regular mac and cheese session all in one day. Uh, so we'll see how that works and see how it goes. Uh, and if it continues to work, then we'll expand on it for the next year. 
because originally we were going to do vegan a whole different day. Okay. And But then I started looking, and it's like, well, if I do that, I have to rent the venue for a second day. Yeah. Which is, you know, spending more money, and is it going to be worth it? And at the end of the day, it's like, well, let's experiment. Let's first. test it. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But then, uh, uh, yeah, the, one, the number one question I do get a lot uh, on top of that is, hey, there are going to be any gluten-free options. Yeah. And so I can't guarantee that, but we do, I've, I've asked every vendor to consider that. I can't make them do it, but it's one of those things. It's like, you know, that's the reality of the world we're in now. And there's yeah. a lot of people that are gluten-free. Can you tell me a bit about working out expenses and, you know, what you need to charge to make a profit and not hitting that, you know, pricing tipping point where you're charging too much and now suddenly yeah, it's not I valuable think, anymore? Well, in comparison to other festivals, I think our, our event is pretty fairly priced at $45 for a general admission ticket. And you that includes, you know, beverages mm-hmm. and, of course, all the food you can eat. I've gone to some other events, like say the Barbecue Fest, which makes sense, but they charge, I think their lowest price ticket is like 80 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. I might be, I, it might be 75, I can't remember, but it's it's more. Yes. And uh, VIP is like 130 or something. So it's, because it's meat and it costs more to get to pay for that, it makes perfect sense. But at the end of the day, you're gonna be, there's only so much food people can eat. <laughs> and if they stuff themselves full of meat, you know, then you have to ask yourself, did I get the value? But but then you got to pay for the venue. You got to yes. pay for all of these little things. Uh, we did ticket prices for forty five because well, when people think of mac and cheese, you know, you're like, man, well, I'm gonna spend forty five dollars on mac and cheese. I could probably go spend forty five. I could probably go spend half of that at the restaurant. So this is like you're going here to get food from multiple vendors, music, drinks, and have fun with your friends and all the things that we have that's included. So are you paying a little bit more than when you go to a restaurant? Sure. But you do that at any event. You know, any event you go to nowadays, that's, a, that's an all-inclusive ticket. It's, it's, the, the format's pretty similar. You, you taste the, the sample items from each vendor. And some people have done that in the past and they moved on from that. Like now, there's some people that are like, oh, great. I, I just want to eat at restaurants now uh, or pop-up dinners or something like that. And those are great too. So this is where we are. This is what we're doing right now. But we have the other ideas later to have, uh, you know, pop-up dinners and... And different like kind of experiences appeal right. to different people. So it right. depends. But this is like, it's almost like, you know, you're going to a buffet kind of mm-hmm. with multiple restaurants involved. As opposed to like, oh, you're eating at this one restaurant and just this is this one dish you're paying for, you know. So were there any unexpected expenses in the first year that you hadn't considered? I don't think so. I think there's... There's always something you're like, oh man, I didn't know that was didn't think be about that, that one. That expensive. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, now maybe before I did some research, I was like, oh man, you know. This will be fun. This will yeah. be yeah yeah. Then you got to pay for the fire permits, and there's all these little permits you got to get. And it all adds and up. So those are the ones I would say probably. There's might be some people that are surprised on how much those are going to be and which ones you have to get. How are you communicating uh, event details to attendees leading up to their day? Basically, so we, on the TicketBud site, when you purchase your ticket, you know, all of the emails are seen. So we can be, be able to email each vendor, or I'm, I'm sorry, vendor, but each attendee, attendee yeah. and let them know, hey, uh, this is what time this is going to happen and make sure you're here at this time. This is the directions and so forth. So it makes it easy because yeah. all of the information is right there. And, you know, it's just simple. Uh, but we also have the social media to where we don't have to, uh, if people are following us that way, they can, they can follow, get updates. You know, they can get updates as well. So it's pretty simple. 
And then what about vendor registration? How have you managed that? So vendor registration was something we basically, I set up a Google form and just basically it's an application. So if you, if I, if I sent out the invite, I said, Hey, uh, participate or let me know if you want to, this is what's involved. I put the package together and if they registered for it, then great. They're in pretty much because that's the invitation I sent them. Okay. Right. And then we just keep like a tracking, uh, form for everything that we do on the team. Okay, you can do that through Ticketbud as well oh, if okay. you wanted. We'll yeah, as, a, as a, like a non-public um, okay. uh, event, you can just set up so it tracks. Gotcha. It, whether it's paid or not, they just register through that. Oh, okay. So that's another option you could do. So how do you prepare the vendors for success for when they're participating? Like what they need to know, like quantities, site maps. You know. To yeah, help them. Uh, I just basically let them know. Say, all right, well, uh, the site map's pretty simple. Yeah. That's all. That's you know kind of thing would just say hey this is where you're gonna this is this where is your, your plot's gonna be you know look for that number so forth but then also uh you know it's a judging type of event so the, mm-hmm. the people are gonna vote on their favorite item and then there's judges so judges will be able to vote a, a judges panel like a food journalist or, who, okay. or whoever yeah. we invite yeah and then uh so you have two different chances to win as a vendor uh, and presentations, part of it, obviously the taste of the food and so forth. So we give them every, like all the things like, hey, this is, if you want to win and you want to be successful, this is what you need to do. So don't run out of food, make sure it tastes good, obviously, based on what you think is good. And presentation wise, you know, make the best decision. We just give them what they need to know. Okay. I saw on the website that you've got a note about media requesting press passes in advance uh, and I've seen this at other events where media have turned up at the gate and gate staff don't know how to manage it or what to do uh, so is that why you've set that up so there's like a limited amount of press passes but they have to be right. pre-approved right yeah it's you know there's, there's always going to be people like hey I gotta take pictures for my you know Instagram or whatever it's like well you know I know most of the ones in town already, so that's that makes it easier. But then there's the other side is like, well, what are you going to do for this? Yeah. So that it allows me to give you a pass. Yeah. Because you know, if it's an attractive event, everyone wants to go. Everyone wants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is fine. I mean, I understand that because I'm the same way when it yeah. comes to certain events. But uh, it, it's got to be beneficial to both of us. I was just asking you about the promotion for the event. So promotion, we just did a lot of social media promotion. Uh, Facebook is still one of the best vehicles out there along with Instagram. Uh, so we just pour a lot of effort into, you know, past photography that we've had from the event and also making announcements every few days. So if there's a new vendor that joins us, uh, we'll say, hey, guess who's joining us this year? This restaurant. And then maybe we'll get a picture of the dish and stuff like that. So it, it, it stay front of mind because there's hundreds of things that people are doing daily. There's hundreds of events happening. And so, well, they might see it. They'd be like, oh, I want to go to that. But then, like, there's like, well, I'll think about it later because you got to figure out your finances or whatever or yeah. your schedule. We, we'll basically like, all right, bam, here goes another picture of something that maybe you didn't realize before. Or you didn't realize this vendor was involved. It's just basically staying in Just keep mind. putting it out there. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's just part of, uh, I mean, even with if you're just running your own social media account like Instagram, you want to stay in, uh, stay ahead of people's mind. Yeah, keep keep top of mind. And then what's the plan for the gate set up uh, and management on day to like have the smooth process of going through the door? So we'll have, our, we have a, a, a group of volunteers and a staff that'll be basically scanning everyone in. That way they get their tickets scanned in, they get their wristbands. And by the time the gate opens, most of them should be able to just walk on in because they've already gotten their things that they needed scanned ahead right. of time okay right. so we move down the line and scan and are you going to have separate lines for uh, people who are buying tickets at the door well if we don't sell out 
Yes. yes. Okay. If we do sell out, then no. And then, then in be. the past, we've always sold out. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I'm, I'm anticipating we sell sell out again. And then how are you going to um, like give people the tokens? Because is it are you using tokens for people voting? Uh, they almost look like bingo okay. uh, tokens or something where you just give them, say, hey, drop it in the bucket. And that's what it, in the past years we used like noodles. Uh, and for some reason that didn't seem to work. We would always run out of noodles. When you think you just bought a bu- a, enough noodles, we're just, oh, how do we run out of noodles? <laughs> how do we run out of those? Okay. And so I think it was just like, oh, we misplaced a bag somewhere. But this year I bought like 3,000 of these little, these little things. So we're not running out. So is that like after they get through the door, there's a spot where they can collect them? No, we're just going to give it to them. Uh, the person that hands them a wristband will give them the... Also, this is your token mm-hmm. vote on This is your, what your voting token yeah, is. Your voting. Yeah, your voting is. Okay. My final thing I was going to ask if there's any like tips or advice you want to give to event organizers based on your experience. Uh, just be ready for anything. Um, make sure you do a lot of research. Don't have too many expectations of everything being perfect because you're going to have something's going to go, I don't say wrong, but something might surprise you and you're going to have some challenges along the way, but that's how you learn how to do it better the next year. So yeah, be open or be ready. <laughs> be ready. Be Always be ready. Yeah. <laughs> and then use TicketBud. Yes, oh, well, we appreciate that. And it's um, uh, great being involved this year. I look forward to coming to the event. So thank you so much for coming along and chatting with us today, Hayden. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. The Portland Mac and Cheese Festival is being held Sunday, October 27th at Castaway Portland. Right. The Austin event is Sunday, November 10 at Carson Creek Ranch. Tickets are on sale through TicketBud now. And I'll put the links on our podcast page. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank and you. thanks everyone for joining TicketBud Tidbits. All right. Thank you.